The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Well, howdy, beauty, power partners. Welcome to radio's finest hour of power. This is Star Style B, the star you are, a program of positive, enchanting book talk. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we are your personal growth success coaches here on the airways with you every week. We have you on your radar and we want to reveal to you that your dreams do come true if you're willing to work hard enough to make it happen. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you for writing, speaking, and media interviews. Call 925-377-STAR or visit StarStyleProductions.com to book your session. We want to make you the star you are. And this is from Blaise Pascal, and an author that I studied when I was living in France. We know the truth not only by the reason, but also by the heart. Well... It is May, and I say yay. Yay, May. <laughs> yay, May. Well, as Heather and I were talking off the air, I am, although I love April and I love spring, it has been challenging. Every single technology failure that could happen happened to me this past month, uh, in, including credit cards getting, uh, getting stolen, uh, power going out, all the computers going down, no telephone lines. I have no idea what was going on. What did you say, Heather? April showers? April showers bring May flowers. Yes. So yes. after, you know, as you always says, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. So we all have to kind of go through that before we see the light at the tunnel. That's right. And you know what? Even though I'm working on my, my MacBook that is a couple years old, it's it's pretty much brand new. Apple completely rebuilt it. Everything. The case. Everything. Crazy. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to first, before we talk about uh, today's show and get into our interview, we'll just tell you what's coming up. We're going to be talking about the power of music and the healing power of music. 
per se in segment one in Health Matters and T for Two. And then we have two amazing best-selling authors coming your way. You will, you will know them. Helen Bryan, whose new book is called The Sisterhood, uh, has just been released and she is debuting here on our radio show. She'll coming to us from London, England. And Lisa Palmer, who is the author of More Like Her, and her new novel is called Nowhere But Home. And they're both fantastic books. So we're going to be discussing those later in the hour. But first, I want to give a couple of shout-outs and announcements. I want to thank everyone who came to hear me speak in Orinda uh, the other night. Thank you so much. And it was terrific meeting new young writers and possible reporters for our Express Yourself show. And also... Coming up next week is the Moraga Fair and the Car Wash. And Heather, this is so crazy. We have like 40 people volunteering for the Car That's Wash. Fantastic. Yes. That's amazing. I know. So I want to thank Comerford Go Green Solar for sponsoring our uh, Moraga Fair booth. And I want to uh, thank one, our donation director who actually sponsored the Car Wish, Car Wash Ho Wing Sit. So, Thank you all. So stop by. You uh, will have lots of freebies for you. And I've been letting my car get really dirty, so I can't wait for that <laughs> car wash. <laughs> well, let's get right into the healing power of music. I mean, me having this crazy month, I must say, I was grateful to my husband. He bought me a CD of The Sounds of the Ocean, which he knew would soothe me. And, you know, music was recognized in ancient Greece. Aristotle and Plato actually wrote about how it healed people. And although the field of music therapy therapy didn't really debut into the 1950s, hospitals and nursing homes only recently are realizing that there are many conditions that can be healed and made, made I don't want to say curable, but more tolerable through music. So Heather is going to bring us some of the soothing sounds of music today. So, Heather, what is it that music does for us? Well, okay, well, when we speak on, on the actual thing of musical therapy, for instance, is it, it's an, an established health service very similar to, you know, psychological, physical therapy, occupational therapy. People seek it out to fulfill a need for, you know, their mental, physical health and stress. And there's been both clinical, you know, clinical and evidence-based uh, testing showing that music therapy actually does, uh, I, again, not to, not to cure but heal, but to help aid people in whatever, whether it's, you know, in the mental health, um, a physical ailment, and educational therapy. And we all know how music affects us, and, and, and for better or for worse, if you hear loud, angry music, your blood starts pumping, you get sort of, you know, you know, just a little rattle. And then there's times when you hear lowing, soothing music that really puts you into that serene thing. That's why, for example, when you go and get massages, they always play this really soft, sometimes it's the ocean, it's, you know, it's a uh, recordings of natural settings, or it's just it's a really calm, soothing music, because it helps you kind of escape with that when you're hearing that we are so affected by noise in general in our life. When we hear car alarms, we hear sirens, things that kind of give us those mini panic attacks, these heart attacks. Um, one big thing, actually, when I was speaking about musical therapy with my fiancé, of how the effects of music is 
there's something I think that firefighters, which he he is one, are at some ridiculously you know like 300 times rate of having a heart attack than than civilians because of these alarms, because of this stressful alarm, and they, that's why. You know, many people, when we set alarms in the morning to get up, we usually set to these really stressful, loud, annoying sounds because it wakes us up. It doesn't slowly get us up. And there's been now new things that actually they mock the sound of the ocean, and the ocean will just get sounding louder, or they do a light so it seems like a sun's coming into your room. So you wake up into, you know, a soothing situation. I'm really glad you brought this up because I was awoken this morning by my husband's alarm and he had two things going. One was screeching going, ah, ah, really yeah. loud. And the other one was some, I don't know what he had it to, some something talking and it was like yelling. And it was like 5.30 and I, I jumped up and I, I literally was so startled. And I said, I'm so tired of this. You would think after all these years, can't you... Can't you wake up to something that is more calming? I mean, what a horrible way to start the day. And it was a horrible thing for me, too. Yeah, and and something, you know, is when saying that, you know, I feel people individually can do musical therapy, but they do actually have therapists that specialize that, that you know, that they did their master's and to specialize in music therapy. Just how many people, you know, they choose a particular emphasis. This is now, you know, a new coming thing. Slowly it's being integrated that many people are opening practices, focusing on musical therapy because it is such a positive thing because many people usually turn to it, you know, you can turn to it for ailments. I actually read an article today discussing how musical therapy can be aiding in regarding to Alzheimer's because as we know, you know, Alzheimer's which is just a terrible disease, unfortunately just eating away at the mind and with memories. But similar to many things, sound and smell are very similar. Uh, how many times you know, when you smell, I, for me, example, like whenever I smell um, like coconut stuff, it makes me think of suntan lotion, which then makes me think of summer, which then makes me think of all the times on swim team or I think of all these trips we've taken. How The little things bring you that nostalgic, that bring you back, that put your mind at ease and takes you somewhere else. Same thing happens with music. There's so many times that, you know, this was, you know, a, a boy you dated song, or this was, you know, your high school song that you, all you and your girlfriends always say. It's a powerful thing. Um, that trying to integrate, it's, it's not invasive. There's no pills involved. It's just your mind listening. And so a lot of people know they, when you're listening to music, and especially in the focus of that, I know so many times um, when I first really got into yoga, the studio that I went to not only did, you know, they crank the heat up to 110 degrees and you're working, you know, it's not high impact, but it's, your body is just working and sweating. But the music they would pay, play just always put me somewhere else. It was always great music and it always seems that you push your body to a certain limit and then at the very end calms you down. I just recently, speaking with our whole health matters, just started this amazing thing called the bar method, which is combines um, cardio, uh, yoga, Pilates, and dance, and ballet, all into one. And during the class, during we are listening to upbeat kind of you know electronic dance music because we are sweating and trembling. And then after you put your push your body to that extreme, at the very end where we're doing our cool down, it's just soft, sweet, slow music. And I have to say, those are the moments 
when I'm really giving my body gratitude for pushing myself because there's moments during it you're thinking, I don't want to do this. This is way too much. So there is Well, you know, when you were talking, too, about it helping with Alzheimer's or other diseases, there are studies that are saying that music is treating a long list of conditions, including, you know, of course you would realize it would include depression, but also Tourette's syndrome, um, autism, stroke, brain injuries, cardiac disease, Parkinson's disease. And when you were talking about the uh, Alzheimer's, what caregivers say is that if you select familiar songs that perhaps the person grew up with, just as you said, could be childhood or high school or college, people remember music from their childhood or from their 20s. And it's, it really helps them to be more centered and to be more connected. So even if someone can't talk well, it is a way to connect with somebody. So music connects us. Music brings us together. Oh, completely. And, and you know, the, the big thing, Steve, we'll just touch on the Alzheimer again, is because music is it's a sensory stimulation. So it, it instantly provokes a you know, response to familiarity. Which, with Alzheimer's patients, few and far between, things seem less familiar, which is the unfortunate and the scary part of the disease is that everyday things, that memories, that it's sort of, you know, so the way someone once described Alzheimer's is that your brain is like a set of cards that is in a perfect order, and what Alzheimer's does is it sort of throws the cards up in the air, and certain ones land in different spaces, and that's why many times... You know, there's a lot of confusion or things that they've not thought of before now come back. And, and, yeah, music is so powerful, and I think people know that, too. We just know of, of even just being um, at a concert, how everyone's coming to see that artist and how we're moving. You know, I, I always think of, like, the old videos when they show the Beatles and all the girls are screaming and passing out because they're just so overwhelmed with what they're seeing and this music and all that. But I just know so many times going to, to big shows and, and how people are there because of the love of music and um, there's this whole actually an organization called Music Saves Life and they team up for they uh, they do a lot of like the blood drives but also t- teaming up with psychological health there's so many times people have said you know this song got me through stuff this song you know this music because of you know because of this I am the stronger because of this you know I didn't think those dark thoughts music is so powerful and that's why it's just uh, you know, kind of getting to alternative medicine, it's being more recognized um, in today's society as an actual, you know, form of therapy, a form of, of treatment for something, of integrating that. Again, no thing, we're not trying to advocate that that's the only all that people should just, but to integrate that in because it's a calming, soothing thing. And it's when it, music is so personal to begin with, too, that people, there's so many genres out there, there's so many things. But I just know, for me in particular, particularly certain things put me in a certain mood, and there's certain days of the week, like on Sundays, I don't know what it is, but I love my smooth, easy-listening jazz. I That is like my background music. When I go to brunch, I want to hear it. When I'm cleaning the house, I want to hear it. Any other day of the week for me, it's a little too slow, but there's just something about how Sundays my, you know, I regenerate, you know, rest, but get things done kind of day that that music to me is a therapy, that that really puts me, you know, helps me set my intentions for the week. 
So well, with those intentions for the week, we exactly. have to take a break, and that's always a great segment. So you want to make music together, find a genre that you love and that the person that you're caring for enjoys. For me, I love classical. And then, you know, go from there. So, Heather, just give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYard.com as well as BeTheStarYard.org. And if you are in La Miranda District, uh, you, we really want you to come out, get your car dirty, and go to our car wash. Is it next weekend, the car yes, wash? Yes, May, it's May 11th. It's a fundraiser for Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this radio show. And there will also be a booth at the fair. So, yes, all come out. And there will be information at starstyleradio.com under events. And when we come back from our short break, Best-selling author Helen Bryan will join us from London, and she's going to weave a story of female resilience that spans 400 years. Her new novel is The Sisterhood. You're going to love it. Back in a bit, my name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Don't you go away. The Star You Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. You are listening to Star Style. Be the star you are on World Talk Radio Network, where each week we bring you the authors and books that will enliven and enhance your life. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I am the producer and host. The program is brought to the airwaves under the unspecies of Be the Star You Are, literacy and positive media charity. It's dedicated to improving lives of women, family, and youth. Visit btsya.org. 
For more information or consider making a donation to to keep communications alive. Well, Helen Bryan brings women out of the shadows of history and celebrates their resilience and their courage. Her last novel, War Brides, was an overnight best-selling phenomena, and her newest book is The Sisterhood. It's set in Spain during the 16th century, and then it's also set in present-day world. Helen is with us all the way from London, England. Welcome, Helen, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much, Cynthia, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, we are excited, and it's always wonderful to have someone from across the pond. And I love it that you write historical novels. As I said to you off the air, I was a history major, and I always feel it should have been called her story instead of his story. Because what strikes me immediately when you open the pages of your book are your strong, brave female characters who despite persecution and resistance and all the things that are, that are put upon them throughout the centuries, that they still survive and they thrive. Tell us what your backstory is. What was your impetus for writing The Sisterhood? Well, it didn't all begin as a story like that, Cynthia. It began um, on, at a much different level. It was supposed to be just a romance, and it began uh, years ago when I visited an old Spanish convent. And the special thing about this particular convent was that it had had an orphanage for the illegitimate daughters of the aristocracy. And the children came there um, as babies, and they stayed for all their lives, and they became nuns. And I initially thought, what a good idea to have a story about one of the orphans who who escaped um, and, and went to find love in, in Spanish America. And the more uh, a research I did about the period, the more the story developed. And I began to see the whole historical context and, and all the forces that might have affected um, this particular character's life, and one character, but one one orphan became five orphans, and then I had to learn about what an order of nuns um, might have been like. I had to do a lot of reading of of uh, religious diaries of nuns of the period, that kind of thing, to try and sort of capture the voice of of 16th century Spanish nuns, and it, it just. It got so interesting, and it took on a life of its own. And I do hope that, that readers will find it equally interesting because um, I, I go back and look at it now, and I think, yes, you know, this this could have been a real story. It, it is fiction, of course, but I think one of the, the things about writing historical fiction um, for any author of, of who writes about a period in history is that you do think, you know, this could have happened. If, if I know the background, I'm, I'm writing about something that, that isn't entirely surprising. You can, you can imagine that it, it did actually happen. So, you know, by the time I finished, of course, I felt that it had. And we'll see whether readers think so as 
well. Well, you know, as I read it, I, re- I actually believe it was a true story. I mean, it really could be a tre- true story because you have done so much research. And you're interweaving in the 16th century. It's a time that's right after Christopher Columbus has discovered America for Ferdinand and Isabella and his his sailors bring back, you know, the dreaded venereal disease that was unknown in the European countries at that time and how it spreads and what, you know, what happens uh, to everyone there. So I think what's so interesting is how, like, the Inquisition, which was supposed to purge purge Spain of the heretics who would be the Jews and the Moors and anyone who wasn't devoutly uh, Catholic, is so relevant to today's time with all the hatred and distrust we have of other religions and other cultures. And, and you know, to weave the two together, they're not that far apart, are they? I mean, the wars in the Middle East today, the terrorist attacks, the religious intolerance, there's really a correlation to what's transpired before and what's happening now. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that was one of those um, sort of interesting revelations that, you know, uh, came out of the research. I did feel there were very strong parallels. And so I really wanted to get away from just, you know, the single romance that I had first thought I was writing and actually draw those together. And at the end of the book, I tried to make you know, some sort of resolution that I thought moved things forward. Uh, because I think people do like to feel that there's always a way forward. And in, in the circumstances, you know, of today, I think we do have to learn from history if we want to move things forward. Well, otherwise, as they say, the cliche is, you know, we are bound to repeat it for sure. But, you know, when you talk about moving forward, I think one of the great little quotations you have in it throughout the book when um, it's Sor Teresa is, but no men's, no men can come into the convent. You know? <laughs> I, I loved this so much because it really shows that, that throughout time it's been a man's world created, the whole thing has been created by men and th- the fact that these sisters, this nunnery, this convent, this orphanage, it really was not just a place for refuge for all these other people, but it was a place where women really ruled. I mean, you had an abbess who was hearing confessions, right? And she yes, was, that's she, yes, and so they just had to play under the radar a bit. You know, they just they had to stay a little bit away from Rome. And I think that some of these the issues that were happening in your novel, The Sisterhood, in that time of the 16th century, are still happening today. I mean, look, we the Catholic Church has a, a new pope from South America. And those questions are still there. What are women's roles? Are they going to be able to do these, you know, these different things? So I th- think that you really touched on so many topics that are really, really important in today's day. Well, I'm very happy if you think that I've drawn those those two um, sort of threads together over the years because I that's certainly the way I see it, and it's I, I do think there's a lot of hope, you know, when you when you consider what can be done and the way things 
can change and the way people can behave, the choices they can make. And I, I'm quite sure that we're going to see a lot of, of very good changes, you know, in the future. I'm, you can never, you know, rule out the bad things happening, of course. But, you know, I think that there is always a lot of hope and you've just got to identify it. And we're speaking with author Helen Bryan. Her newest historical novel is called The Sisterhood, and it is set both in the 16th century and modern day. And it really, at its heart, is a love story. And it is a story of women who are powerful in spirit and soul and who care about helping other women survive. And that, to me, was really important. I thought your beginning was very interesting because this hits home for, I think, a lot of families where this lovely daughter, Menina, is engaged to a golden boy, basically, you know, wealthy in the political arena, etc. And then he does something that is quite atrocious, although he doesn't think it is, and just expects her to, you know, turn the other cheek, and that's how she ends up in Spain. I liked that. as the, I really liked the way that you started that, because how many, how many people today, and especially women, suffer sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, personal abuse, and they don't say anything because they believe that it's their fault. And maybe they, you know, they stay in the circumstances. So I thought this was a tribute to women to get away from what's wrong as well. It takes an awful lot of courage, I think, to um, for a woman who's been abused not to feel that it's it's her fault. It's very hard to get... Um, some sort of perspective on what's actually going hold up a mirror and say, this wasn't my fault. And I think when Menina has this terrible experience, she is caught up in precisely the kind of, of reaction to it that so many women find themselves caught up by. And they blame, women blame themselves. They do blame themselves. They're, they're almost taught to blame themselves. If something bad happens, it must be my fault. And I think the, the wonderful thing about Menina is that she gets thrown into yet another difficult situation, and she's the one who pulls herself out of it. She has the support of of uh, the nuns, and she has she finds support from um, other things that go on in her life. But she's the one who has to confront it, and I don't think she's a very strong individual. At, at the beginning of this. I think she's she's been sheltered, she's been protected, she's very anxious to do the right thing. And she's that's almost um, made it impossible for her to, to fight back. And then gradually she does learn to fight back. And I don't think anyone else rescues her. I think she rescues herself. I think that, that she shows such strength in doing that. And that was that was a point I really felt was quite important to make that that women do have this inner strength that they can draw on. Well, and you also had another element in here, the fact that she was an orphan and she was adopted. So she was adopted by a very loving American family. And so she did grow up rather sheltered and protected and innocent, and she was a pleaser. She wanted to please people. So the fact that she even took this step to go and jump on a plane and leave her fiancé, and that was huge. So I think that what you were doing there is 
showing, as you said, this inner strength that we all have that maybe we don't recognize until we are in a conflict, until we are faced with a situation that we we absolutely have to step up and depend on ourselves. Because, you know, once she arrives in Spain, everything's pretty much taken from her. She gets robbed. And, you know, I have to tell you, uh, I know that you travel as well, but when I first went to uh, to Bordeaux, I studied in France, is this happened? I arrived and I had my purse, my everything stolen. I had nothing except for the clothes on my back. And trying to figure out. No, very similar. And and I I went over. I was going actually to Ireland first because I was going to be a nun and go to a convent. But they, um, when I got to the convent, they told me, maybe I'm better in the limelight in Hollywood. I probably would have ruined the convent. But in any case, the similar thing happened is that, you know, and you just have to, you have to figure out what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? And uh, that's what I really liked about her is that through her studies and her art, and also that's another thing that you wove in there so brilliantly, is the connection to art and how that brought everything together. Where did art play into this for you? Were you a big passionate person of historical art? I I must say I do I do love art. Show me an art gallery and I'm I'm gone. But um I think in this particular case the reason Menina studied art was because Growing up in the South and in a small town and, you know, wanting everyone's approval, it was a very ladylike subject to study. It was, it was something everybody thought was just right for a, a nice, bright young woman. Uh, it, it, it's still to some extent like that, I think, uh, where I grew up. And so this met with everyone's approval and she could, she could be quite, um, academic about it. And yet she, you know, she wasn't being competitive or unfeminine or anything. So she was someone who, who actually quite liked art. And she, it is a very demanding subject to study, frankly. But um, people thought this went very well with the kind of girl she was. And she studied art and everyone approved. And then she actually had to use it um, after things happened to her. And she actually began to use it. And it brought together her rather academic approach, but it also brought her kind of visceral approach. She was able to understand the artist that she was pursuing. And she drew things together in a way that, you know, someone who wasn't a student of art couldn't have done. Well, and I, I want to say before we end how much I love your ending. It brought everything full circle. <laughs> And oh, thank the, the, you. Yes, it was beautiful, beautiful. The name of the book is The Sisterhood. The author is Helen Bryan, and you can find out more information and order the book at Amazon.com. And Bryan is spelled B-R-Y-A-N, Helen Bryan. Well, congratulations, um, Helen, on launching The Sisterhood. We'll be looking forward to your next historical novel as well and have a great time promoting this one. I think readers are going to absolutely love it. So thank you so much for coming on Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia. It has been fun. Pick up a copy of... 
the sisterhood, there's everything in it, love, danger, travel, intrigue, the Inquisition, and, of course, real life in today's world. Helen Bryan, the sisterhood. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to travel to North Star, Texas with Lisa Palmer and her newest novel, Nowhere But Home. So grab your cup of tea. We'll be right back. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, I sure appreciate you staying here to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and to listen. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. An Emmy-nominated writer living in Los Angeles, California, Liza Palmer is the author of the international bestseller, Conversations with the Fat Girl, as well as many other books. But her newest book is called Nowhere But Home. Welcome, Liza, to Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, obviously, what immediately drew me to your book was the cover, I Love Stars. I guess you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> With it being called Be the Star You Are and Star Style. And there was Queenie up on her ladder reaching for the stars in North Star, Texas. You write so clearly about life in a small town. Do you, did you have roots in Texas? No, I am actually born and bred in Southern California. Um, but I think I think a small town, even if you're in Los Angeles, I grew up in Pasadena, where the Rose where the Rose Bowl is. But you know, every your your surroundings turn into basically the same three places. Um, so everybody kind of knows what that 
small town feeling is, which is pecking orders and, you know, you are who your parents were and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's pretty universal as far as trying to get out from underneath the expectations of your family name. Anyway, that's a, you know, that's, that's exactly what I had written down in my notes is that, but, uh, nowhere but home. It's a love story. It's a family story. And it's a story about not living in the past or living in somebody else's boots because everyone uh, craves affection and everyone wants to be accepted. But why is it that we have such a difficult time getting away from our childhood expectations? And, you know, it's that kind of like that thing is that you're never a, a star in your hometown. You're right. never, <laughs> right? Right. You're, you're and and, and a hero. Except for the people that you think are, right? Because there's always this kind of... Those kind mean of, girls. Th- yeah, exactly. Know. And there always is a pinnacle of, of, of people who seem to have it all in the town that, that you're always being compared to and, of course, falling short. But, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, kind of living in your past and all that kind of stuff. I think it's kind of easier. It's really hard to um, really kind of look at who you are and what you've become and take away the blame game of um, your story, essentially. Um, it's really hard to live authentically on your own terms because um, I think that's what Queenie did. She just ran and ran and ran and blamed her mom and blamed every all the mean girls and never had to kind of take responsibility for her life. And I think that's what happens when she has to finally come home and really um, answer for what's been going on. Yeah, and what I think is so fascinating about that, because you bring out such a truth, is that as she was running and, you know, always trying to, she was getting fired here right. and getting fired there, and she was, she had become a mean girl, pretty much. You know, she had become just somebody else. She was living like her mom was, is that the interesting thing is that when you finally, finally decide to claim your own power and own who you are, right. is that that's when your life comes alive. You can't do the blame and complain. You well, but, know? That's, but that's that's when it comes alive. That's the first step. I mean, that's what people think. It's like this kind of epiphanic moment where everything falls into line and they don't understand that the very next day is kind of just as hard with a whole new set of um, challenges that you have to kind of meet again. You know, it's not a one-moment thing. And I think that's what we're all waiting for is that kind of, you know, you know peering out from the summit of Mount Everest going, I get it all, and it doesn't work like that. It's like the next day you have to kind of see that person who makes you feel bad about yourself, and this time you're going to set boundaries. It's like it doesn't, right. you know, it, it doesn't happen in that kind of red carpet moment with Captain America standing next to you going, this is what it feels like. You know, it doesn't, it's very quiet. It's a very quiet revolution, actually. Well, um, and this is where the strength has to come. You have to really develop that inner strength. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and everything isn't as it seems. I mean, her sister, who was considered the town slut, really was never. Never. That. No. But that never. was easier. You know, to I mean, that, she was virginal, you know? actually. Absolutely. She and was. The, and the golden yeah. boy wasn't so golden. No, you know? no. And, but that was a lie that North Star was okay with because the golden boy was from the golden family and Mary Carroll was just one of the grubby wakes, you know? So they, they played in line. With, with what people were, you know, that mythology that people kind of rely on so that they don't have to get their hands dirty with actually getting to know somebody because then you're vulnerable and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think, think people will do anything possible not to feel vulnerable because it's, you know, very exposing and all that kind of stuff. Well, and I think another thing that it brings out, too, is that when you put somebody in a box and you either, either if they're on a pedestal Absolutely. or they're hidden away, is that we never really know who they are or what they're really thinking until until they're confronted. And then what we find out is, 
oh my gosh, we're all the same. We're all hurting. We Absolutely. all have scars, we're, right? Absolutely, because I think twofold, it's, you know, the, unfortunately, the people who put us most in the boxes are ourselves. You know, I mean, I don't know if you ever watch Exactly, what not- we don't stretch. Right. We're not stretching out because we're uh, fear. We're ab- fearful. Absolutely. I mean, it's the thing, you know, whenever you watch that show, What Not to Wear, you know, a great show where they kind of dress people over and they do the whole makeovers, the number one thing people always say is, uh, this doesn't look, this just doesn't feel like me. And it's like that thing which, like, you don't know who you are because you have all these ideas about who you are. And I think it's such an exciting time to kind of rebuild that from its foundations, which I think is what Queenie's having to do in this. But I think also what you were saying was, you know, Everett, the love interest of this, he is, he's in the box of being the good guy, right? He is from the good family. He's the one that's got to be the kind of the golden boy and, you know, the pinnacle of everything that's good. And so, but that's just as confining as Queenie, who's the, you know, the omega to his alpha. Um, and you know. that was what was really fascinating because he really is a good guy. But right. he couldn't, he just couldn't stand up to his family because of all the guilt trips that were put on him. Absolutely. And, and when we're young, you know, we want to please our parents. We want to do the right thing. So right. he was really stuck. So he was waiting. He was waiting for Queenie to rescue him. Right. Queenie was waiting for him to rescue her. Right. And it wasn't until this 20 years later, you know, right. that they finally realized, wow, we have found each other. And to me, this book is very hopeful. We're speaking with Liza Palmer. She is the author of Nowhere But Home. This is her new novel. And although it's a really fun, fast-paced romp through the Texas countryside, it's filled with morals and with also, I found it very inspiring and motivating to dig deeper inside right. of ourselves right. and question who we are. Right. Don't, don't, uh, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't take the party line. I mean, really kind of really dig deep and figure out, you know, what it is you want and who, who are you without all of the you know, I always think of it as like the Jacob Marley's train, chains of all that, those boxes that you drag around of everything that you think you are. Um, and it's like who, who, and it's actually, it's terrifying freedom, right? Once you kind of get rid of all the shackles of your story to try to kind of figure out who you are without all that kind of feels very vulnerable. And to be in an authentic place like that is, some, is, is not a comfortable place for most people. I, I know it's not for me. <laughs> well, so. do you know what, Liza, where I think the comfort place is, is when you finally don't give a, a rat yep. hoot. That's right. It's finally when you say, here, here's how I grew up, because I grew up on a farm, and we had the saying, it was, you mad at me, you hate my guts, you think I'm nasty, think I'm nuts, tough, your problem. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And yeah. I think that's what's freeing, is when you finally can get to that point that here I am, you know, warts and all, if you don't like it, shove it. That's and, right. you know, and so to be so accepting of all our idiosyncrasies, because nobody's perfect, we're all humans in training. I want to get to the last meal because yeah. I loved the way you started your chapters. Oh, thank and you. all this, I mean, there is so much food woven into, into your stories. It was really a fun way to look at it. But I must say that if these Texans eat like this, no wonder they're in a penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's so interesting to think about the last meal because I think it's, you know, what happens first is you kind of, when, when, when you're kind of posed with that little parlor game, right, like what was your last meal be, it, you kind of go, you go elaborate, right? It's going to be a seven-course meal of a meal and all this kind of stuff. And then you take some time, and what happens is you start remembering that one thing that usually you can't have again because, like, your grandmother made it or your mother made it. 
that you haven't really thought about in years. Um, and that becomes, because what you're trying to do in that moment is you're trying to recreate a moment. You know, you're trying to catch Light, lat- lightning right. in a bottle, so to speak, and try to recreate that great picnic that you had that one time. And the food was, was a major po- point of that. Um, so that's kind of what these last meals are about, is trying to, it's not about, it's not about the food, it's about who was with you and who gave it to you and the feeling of being loved and what that felt like. And so, and that's why it was so amazing. And I, and the, when I started writing the book, I didn't know what my last meal would even be. And I didn't even know what Queenie's last meal would be. But I knew that that was at the crux of this entire novel, was figuring out what, what that would be. Because that means that you know who you are, right? It's like, that's, that's how you lived, how you loved, is, is if you know what really you want is your last meal, I think. You know, and it's such, it is really such a great metaphor for life. And since mm-hmm. I read your book, Nowhere But Home, I have been asking everybody I know, what would be your last meal? And they go, well, what do you mean? You know, right? and so then I tell them, well, I just finished reading Eliza Palmer's book, Nowhere But Home. And it's all about your, I mean, the yeah. is about what is your last meal. Right. And you know, what was fascinating about this question is people really have to look inside. They have, Absolutely. they get introspective. And it's exactly what you say. It's the memories that we create in life. It's the sensory experiences. Right. It's the people we love and cherish and what those little tiny minutes meant to us. And right. you know, Maybe the food wasn't even good, but it was just so wonderful being together. Absolutely, that, you know, it's not. That, it's not even the. It's not the best food you've ever had. It's the most emotive. It's the one that makes you feel the most loved and cared for, and because that's why we're all here is connectivity on Earth. Exactly. And so it's no wonder that the last meal would then root back into, you know, a time when you felt the most connected to those that loved you and that you loved. Um, and that's why it's so interesting that 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 question. It's it, there's no other question like it really, because it brings back all these memories of where you kind of comb through the archives of your mind about like what you know where was I during this and what the food does that mean. And remember that one time my you know I had bean and cheese burritos growing up and it was fantastic or you know like yeah, how and who was your... with me and were we in the kitchen cooking together exactly and did we right. make a mess and exactly. yeah I mean it really it's 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 memories you know it and memories are what hold us together and if you ever talk to anybody on their deathbed mm-hmm. that's what they want to talk about absolutely. they want to talk about. The times, the togetherness, the connectivity. They don't want to talk about the hours they spent, you know, preparing a spreadsheet or pitching no. a project, right? Oh, no, exactly. It's, it's well, something else. Whole, exactly. It's like, why do we hold that level of, you know, that, that level of rawness of ourselves into the very last moment? It's like, why don't, why don't we live more like that? In the everyday, you know. Well, and now people yeah. don't have to because they can read nowhere but home. <laughs> Liza Palmer is the author. Her website, lizapalmer.com, and it's spelled L-I-Z-A, palmer.com. Yes. But I want to also ask you because you are working in Hollywood. You're a screenwriter. Yes. What are some of the things you're working on, and are you going to work on um, – a screenplay for Nowhere But Home because I love the fact that she's Queen Elizabeth. These yeah. names, these <laughs> names, I mean, what mother? Of course, I did know a girl named Candy Kane, and my mother went to school with Harry Bottoms oh, and his come. sister Rosie. Oh, so, come on. I know. So what is it with parents who do this to their kids? I, don't, I, I honestly, you know, there's so many names where I'm like, God, did you think about that child standing in the, you know, the DMV later on when I, I don't, or trying to apply for a job or, you know, being president of the United States with that with that name, and it's, no, no, they didn't. Um, it just sounded cute. Um, 
uh, I, I am not, I, I, when I try to adapt my own stuff, I tend to be very, you know, it's, I, I'm very precious about every word, of course. So I can't really have the level of detachment that I think would, it, it needs, quite frankly. I can't get out of the way of it. So I am more than happy to, to pass it along to have it be adapted and, and work on my own original stuff. I think that's going to work out better for me. Um, so no one you- to say when. Yeah, so, well, so, you know, from, from our lips to God's ears, so That's somebody right. out there will, will adapt it and make it into something. But are you working on anything at the moment that you can talk about that yeah. is for the screen? Um, no, I am, I am actually not right now. I am, he- I am knee deep in books, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's really exciting. And, you know, book six is, um, already in the pipeline. That's how it always is, right? Book six is already in the pipeline. and you know, proposals done and we're starting to get that going. And then I have a really exciting, um, young adult books kind of coming down the, coming down the, the, the path, pike. Mm, I always get Ooh, those that's wrong. exciting. Oh, that's um, exciting. You know, I yeah. have another show that I produce called Express Yourself. It's teen radio. Yeah. And so you'll have to come back to oh. be on that because that's what we do. I'm there obsessed. Is, I'm know. officially obsessed. Yeah. Well, it's so important, I think, to get this, you know, to get the the literature and the fun and all that. And there's kids, you know, my goal is to get people to read. We have a motto, read, lead, succeed. And, right. And there's just, I don't care what people say about seeing things on the Internet and all this. There's such things so exciting about reading the written word. Oh, absolutely. I, I like, I'm still old-fashioned. I like holding a book. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I stare at a computer too? screen all day. I don't need to do it for my reading either. I, you know I like what? A real That's book. so yeah. interesting you say that, Liza, because I always have people say to me, oh, can I just send you the PDF or just go get it on a Kindle? And I'm like, you know what? I, uh-huh. I Just what you just said. I spend 15 hours in front of the computer. <laughs> I want to ca- take a book to exactly. bed. Not, exactly. Not a laptop and no. not, not a reader. I no. want a book. <laughs> I can't do it. But I think, you know, when we talk about, God, talk about defining our, you know, those books that we read as teenagers and below, those are the books that really set us in motion for who we are. And I think kids have a way of reading books. You know, sometimes adults can kind of get ca- caught up in the, you know, I should read this book or this is the popular book or, you know, they say this is the book of the moment and so I'm going to be forced to like it and even though I kind of didn't and this whole thing. Kids don't do that. They, they love and they sign off on the books that this really speak to them. And I think there's a real purity to the teenage reader that uh, tends to get lost a little bit as, as, you know, as we kind of get more like into what we should be reading or what's important to read and all that kind of stuff that we get bogged down with as adults in general. Um, well, and look at what's happening out there in the young adult world, oh, not so to get exciting. off the subject, is that, is that these books that these kids are falling in love with is, yes. uh, you know, look at Hunger Games or Twilight yep. series or any of this. All of a sudden, adults are going, whoa, this is pretty this good. Maybe I should are. read them. I know, so, I just got wrecked by John Green's Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. Read it on a plane coming back from the Texas Book Festival, and I had the entire section of my plane concerned because they kept passing me tissues. I was sobbing. Yeah. It was just, it was really, it was just beautiful. It's one of the well, most perfect books I've ever read. I am so glad that you are venturing into that genre as well with yeah. the, and you have so six books. Well, we've been speaking with Liza Palmer. You can tell she's enthusiastic and energetic and fun and has a lot more books inside of her. And this book is Nowhere But Home. You will absolutely love it. The language is beautifully written. The characters are so 
so well developed and I was absolutely in love with Cal oh, and his yeah, brother him. who wasn't his brother from, yeah. you know uh West I just thought I loved the relationship that yeah. that they that he had with both his auntie and his mom and his brother and again um as I said with Helen, our last author, I really loved your ending. Oh, I'm a sucker you. for these kinds of endings, and you nailed it. Yeah, I will always. I will, we, there's enough hardship in the world. I will always give you a happy ending. Always. You know what? Thank you for that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I just can't deal with all the negativity anymore. Mm-hmm. I only want. I want to be uplifted. I want to be transported, That's right. and That's right. I don't mind if I have to weave and take detours to get there, but. Come to the end. I want to go, hooray! Exactly yay! right. And I want to celebrate. And you did that. So Thank you. Liza Palmer, Nowhere But Home. Her website, LizaPalmer.com. Thank you, Liza, for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let us know when you have your teen book. We'll get you on Express Yourself Teen Radio. And, um, yeah, we do some really great people on uh, on that one, too. So that'll be really fun. Oh, well, thank, thank you for having me. Thank you Oh, so much. thank you. It's been so much fun talking to you. And thank you, all of you, you great listeners who show up every week and are here to listen to all the authors and the great books that we bring you from the experts around the world. Make sure you're tuned in to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with me, Cynthia Bryan, and also with my co-host, Heather Brittany, on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Star Style Productions, you can visit star-style.com. To make a donation to the literacy and positive media charity, Be The Star You Are, please go to bethestarur.org or our creative community for young people, btsya.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you are already a star. You can cherish the past and dream of the future, but I want you to celebrate every moment of your life. Start by reading a book this week. You can read Nowhere But Home and The Sisterhood or read one of my books, Be the Star You Are uh, or Be the Star You Are for Teens. And until next week, when we celebrate once again, remember that for every beauty, there's an eye somewhere to see it. And for every truth, there's an ear somewhere to hear it. And for every love, there is a heart somewhere to receive it love always wins kindness prevails and smiles keep us happy my name is cynthia bryan this is star style thanking you and encouraging you be the star you are we'll be together next week ciao for now thank you for tuning in every week for the power hour on star style be the star you are our goal is to inspire inform entertain and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You are.